0: Howdy, folks, and welcome to episode 88 of the Euphoria Health Podcast. My name is Matt Sapala, and I am your host. For anyone that is new to the show, firstly, thank you so much for jumping on board and taking time out of your day to listen to the show. Secondly, a little bit of background about myself. I'm a qualified personal trainer, and I'm currently studying a Bachelor of Health Science, majoring in nutrition. My whole coaching philosophy and the reason why I started the podcast was to educate and inspire people to make more healthful choices each and every day. These choices add years to your life. These choices enable you to thrive and most of all these choices allow you to live in abundance. I don't want to be a coach that restricts and is your quick fix. I want to be a coach that uplifts and is your only fix. This week's On The Podcast features for his second time on the show, and guess what? We're chatting about another unbelievable running event this man endured. Damien Bajaya is one of the most inspiring and resilient people I have ever met. Way back in episode 58 of the podcast, Damien and I chatted about his epic run from Craigieburn to Yarrawonga over six days. 290 kilometres over six friggin' days. Just wow. What an FM. This time, Damien and I chat about his most recent venture, which was a 48-hour vulnerability run. Yes, Damien ran for 48 hours around the Maribyrnong River in Melbourne. This man is something else. The best part about this podcast was today's chat wasn't only dissecting the performance and training element to his journey, but we really dug deeper and unpacked why he did this and why he feels the need to uplift through movement. I think you'll all be blown away by his response. Folks, this is a slightly longer episode, but once you start, you won't want to stop. I'll see you on the other side. Damien Begea, welcome back to the Euphoria Health podcast, my friend.
1: Feels good to be back here.
0: Mate, I was just thinking to myself, you were the last podcast that I recorded face to face when we. Cross paths this time last year, and you're the first podcast face to face this year. Yeah, worlds of are don't they? Mate, yeah. it's um a crazy whirlwind. We've just been chewing each other's ear off <laughs> for about an <laughs> hour and a half. Talking absolute dribble, listening to my dog buddy bark at every moving part. The other sh- offline <laughs> podcast
1: that won't be released, which is probably good.
0: <laughs> oh, thank God for that, buddies. um Buddy's being painful this morning. I'm sure you guys would know how much he barks and at every little thing but he's been painful so if you hear him in the background that's just him so do not this stress at all
1: guest on every, every
0: <laughs> single time it's like as soon as i press record he's like <laughs> all right i'm barking
1: what's up, it's time i'm
0: barking i'm barking demo mate you are such an incredible human being and since the last time we spoke you've tackled two incredible events which both don't feature sleep <laughs> at all um and just everything that you've been doing throughout that process whether that's building up for the event creating this community creating connection within the community has just mm-hmm. been amazing so first of all i'd like to say congratulations mate and thank you so much for giving me a first-hand preview and the listeners at home a first-hand mm-hmm. preview of what those were like for you
1: yeah thank you it's um firstly yeah, it's good to be back the studio has changed a little bit from <laughs> <on, laughs> the last one <laughs> but um I feel no, like we should paint the picture <laughs> for the people at home. So last time we did the podcast, where we, we were in the kitchen, weren't we?
0: Kitchen table. Imagine <laughs> the woggiest house you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> Multiply it by three. Um, and now we're in the same woggy house, but in a back bedroom. <laughs>
1: Isolated. <We laughs> Isolated. It's definitely, no, it's definitely good to be, to be back. But um, yeah, a lot a lot has happened. I, I feel like, um, you know, I had a conversation with someone during the week and I was like, when I think about, you know, how quickly we've turned around um, each run, it's, yeah, it, it feels like that was so long ago, but yet it's all sort of happened in the last 12 months. Like you said, like the last time I jumped on a podcast was probably 12 months, you know, sort of April, it was about March, April, wasn't it, that we yeah. did the last podcast. So it's been one hell of a journey. Like I I can't explain, you know, where we've went physically, mentally, emotionally, like you said, community, yeah. um, and I haven't really had time yet to to sit and reflect, and I don't know if I ever, I don't know if I ever will. Like for me, I move on very quickly. Like you know, it's like I do the event, the commotion of the event happens, and then it's like, all right, well, go back to reality, and what's next? What's next? And you know, how can we start generating different ideas, different impact? But you know, I think you know. There's a time where I will sit down and I'll, I'll reflect on what we've done because it was monumental um, and it was messed up. It was pretty fucked up. Like it was really fucked up. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I'm super proud of what we've been able to do. And I think the biggest thing is, and I say it on every podcast, is the community piece is showing other people what they can do and what's possible. And um, I'm actually scared for myself moving forward because I don't know what's next, like, and I think that's the biggest thing that, not scares me, but is like, holy shit, like, what more can I get out of myself, so that is a little bit daunting for me, because it it means more sacrifice, it means more sleepless nights, you know, it means more time away from, you know, family and social life and friends But then the events then sound like we spoke about before off the podcast was, the day-to-day is the hardest part, but don't get me wrong, like the event is the most, is the fucked up part, like, (laughs) is the part that (laughs) takes a lot out of you, you know? Like you walk away from the event and say, all right, I need some time here to just process what's happened. Um, But most of all, just let the body recover because, you know, physically, You can't... It's hard to explain the toll that goes through your body when you do an event like the last... Especially the last two that we've done. The first one was probably a bit more manageable, but definitely the 24-hour. The 24-hour is a great introduction for me into what it's like to run under sleep deprivation. Because, you know, you can put yourself physically through a lot of trauma, but then add the elements of hallucinations... You know, um, falling asleep while you're running, not really understanding where you are. Like, just trying to understand that you're moving. And sometimes in these runs, you don't really know where you're moving. Like, <laughs> so you you feed off the people around you. Yeah, like especially the forty-eight hour. Like, sort of got you know thirty-six hours in, and you know you and and the thing is like I ran forty-eight hours, but I was up for. Probably about fifty six, like in total, because the run started at two pm. So like, if you think about it, like, I would I got up I think that day on the Friday that we started I was up at seven. So seven till what's that? That's another seven hours. So seven hours on top of the forty eight. Well, we're at fifty five. So it's a long time to be awake for. Um, but yeah, and okay. bodies aren't designed to do that. Nah, 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 but. It is like not, not that it is but you can do it you know and sometimes all it takes is like a, a 40 minute nap which is kind of how I broke it down was like I'd, I think I slept for three hours in total and, and had like three 40 minute naps something like that um, and yeah like, it just it's funny when you're that tired what your brain does to you like it's it's crazy because you know you start seeing things start you know i think there was a there was a moment where i started uh, i said to a friend of mine i said oh you brought your dog didn't you i said i saw your dog on the way through (laughs) and she's like no like nala's not here i was like i just went past the aid station i just saw your dog and she's like what are you talking about and everyone's like what are you talking about (laughs) but it was just i didn't know where like i didn't know what was happening i didn't know where i was and but yeah that's the beauty of what we've been able to over the last sort of 12 months
0: <laughs> i don't even know where to take a <laughs> conversation after that i feel like we could wrap the podcast <laughs> up <laughs> that, that's it's actually incredible mate we were chatting off air before about you know david goggins and everyone would know of him and he's just this badass mm. does these crazy challenges and we were, we we're chatting about the the reason why and and what resonated for both of us i think while we were having that discussion was that these challenges they're not as much They're not for you. Like, Mm. you're not doing them for you. You're doing them for other people. And the things that you can create while doing these crazy challenges is inspiration for other people to do their hard. You Mm. know what I mean? Like, Mm. your hard in that time was staying up for 56 hours and running for 48 hours. Someone else's hard might have been getting out of the car and running their first 10K. Like, they're not comparable and one isn't bigger yeah. than the other like yeah, yeah yours is fucking crazy yeah and but so is that 10k to someone else so mm. i think that that's really really inspiring and that's to have that basis of the conversation i think is awesome as well
1: yeah and the way i look at these the longer i stay up the more opportunity i'll give someone else and i think you know if if i'm able to put myself in a position to give someone else that opportunity like don't get me wrong when i say it's not for me like it's a it, it is definitely an avenue for me to push myself because i want to get to the end of my life and know hey i gave this thing 100 like i maximized every inch of effort blood sweat and tears just to see what i was made of um and you learn a lot about yourself and that's part of the reason i want to i throw myself into these things is not because you know not because i want to run 48 hours like you know that's not fun <laughs> like it's not run to, it's not fun to run 48 hours but For me, it's, you know, the lessons that you learn in the 48 hours then is very transferable to life. And I think for anything, like, you know, everyone says cliches to, like, step outside your comfort zone. But then it's like how far outside your comfort zone are you willing to go? You know, like, your comfort zone is this little round area, but then stepping outside that is endless, yeah? It's like, all right, you can go a little bit, further past what you thought was comfortable or you can go 48 hours past what (laughs) you thought was comfortable but it's a massive difference yeah. and your comfort zone is very limited yeah but your your discomfort and your level of discomfort is is not limited at all and that's for me is where like the true passion lies is and that's where like the true inspiration for me is is like how far outside my comfort zone can i keep pushing this thing You know, when I did the first run back in March last year, I was like, I thought that was discomfort. But then I did the 24-hour, and I was like, holy shit, we've now pushed the envelope a little bit further. But then you realise that you survive, and you get through it. And you didn't die, and you didn't... It wasn't your breaking point, it wasn't rock bottom. So then I did the 48-hour, and it's like, well, I didn't die, I didn't break, and I survived let's keep going like (laughs) what's next you know so and I don't think you never get to a point if you get to a point where you've broken yourself you've done something wrong along the way like if I ever get to a point in these events where I just couldn't make it or I couldn't do it it was because of my own doing it wasn't because I'm not stupid enough to do something so unrealistic like 48 hour runs it sounds crazy to us and it sounds crazy to our network but There is amazing people out there who like are doing these crazy runs constantly and doing this sort of crazy shit. so for me it's just like all right well i'm i'm putting myself constantly in an uncomfortable position and i do that for a purpose because the lessons that i get out of it mentally emotionally physically helps me live a better life you know like and then what comes out of it is the community piece is all right well People see me run for 48 hours and they've never run in their life, so they tackle the first hour of running that they've ever done, or they tackle their first half marathon, or their first marathon, or their first ultra. So, you know, there's two parts to it. Um, but for me, the most rewarding part is the community piece, is seeing people having a more than unusual conversation. It really is, like, these are not conversations that we typically have on a day-to-day basis. But when you throw yourself into an uncomfortable position, it's crazy to think what comes up, you know. Um, And being part of an inspiring community and people who are willing to share their story allows someone else to share their story. And that's my thing, was always provide a safe environment for someone to talk. And I don't know how safe running for 48 hours is, But it's a safe environment for someone to open up about their struggles. And that, for me, is the most inspiring thing. Is like, you know, if I'm running at the front of the pack and I hear two people behind me talking about how they tackled depression or how they overcome suicide or how they overcome losing a parent, that makes me happy and that drives me. Because I'm like, now I've done my fucking job. Like, I've given someone else the opportunity to see the way I'm living because I think I, I live purposefully, but I think it's easy, it's easy to just stick to what you know. Like That's just the easy part, you know. Um, but my, my job is, you know, what I do is to allow people to understand that there's more. Like, there's more to basic conversation, there's more to surface level, there's more to materialism, there's more to, you know, secluding yourself. You know, like there's m- there's so much more that you can explore from an emotional deep level. So, yeah, there's a there's a few rolling elements to the running, um, but they're probably the two main things for me.
0: Yeah, Damo, and I think there's something magic about like kinetic energy and and moving energy and getting people having these conversations while moving. Like typically, when you go and catch up with a mate or you go and catch up with a loved one, you sit across from a table having a coffee, and like you're sitting in this stagnant position that is not. Having your heart forward, and you're not really open to receptive, mm. Or mm. receiving those quote-unquote mm. vulnerable mm. topics. But like, there's something about when you're going for a walk, or going for a run, or even just moving mm. your body and having these conversations. I feel like the energy s- just flows, and the conversation mm. is a lot more receptive. And I, that was highlighted to me by the team at Adventures of Anxiety, mm. Christy and Christy. They both do these incredible things and get getting people to go on hikes to have deeper conversations about yeah. you know what's happening in their in their yeah. normal life and I think it's it's amazing how people can open up and feel more safer or feel in a safe place yeah. to open up about these things rather than just sitting across yeah. from each other in a cafe would you yeah. agree
1: oh 100% it's it's just like you know our emotions are based off our energies here yeah? like If our energies are are suppressed, our emotions are suppressed. Like you know, I feel like when you when you're moving, like typically you're putting yourself in an uncomfortable position, which then puts you in a vulnerable position. And when you're in a safe, vulnerable position, and you feel comfortable, you almost want to explore that vulnerability a bit further because it's interesting. When you're in an environment where your vulnerabilities are judged. You want to suppress your vulnerabilities, you know? And that's that's the one thing I've learned is every single person at their core wants to be a vulnerable person. Like, it's a human nature. It's a human trait to be vulnerable. The thing that stops us is the environment that we're in, you know? So if we're in an environment that's judged, our vulnerabilities will not be explored at all. So everything I've achieved and seen in my community is chuck these people in a safe environment, they will open up about, like, some of the harshest things they've been through, and you'll be like, holy shit, like, I can't believe that person has been through that. But, yeah, it's definitely, there is power in movement, you know, like, there's power in, once your endorphins start flowing, you you know, um, you can create a more dynamic environment. But, yeah, like, I, I feel like I can create conversations as well, by just being a loving and caring person and, and opening up and listening. So, you know, the for me, I choose to do it in an active way in terms of getting people moving because, you know, not only are you tackling the mental side, but you're tackling the physical side all in one hit. So I think that's why, you know, people will push the movement side is because, you know, if I can just sit with someone at a cafe and get them to open up and be vulnerable, I'm just tackling one avenue. But if I can take them out... For a run and we get them to be vulnerable like you know we're tackling their physical state but we're also tackling their mental and emotional state in one sitting you know so that's why I choose to do it in that way but sometimes you know people can't do both to start you know sometimes you might just have to start with the open conversation where you just open your ears and you just have to listen to that person because they might be in such a vulnerable state that you know, they, they might not want to move. They might not want to get into that physical state. So sometimes you just you pick and choose your battles as well. you got to understand. And that's what it comes down to understanding people, yeah, is you have to have endless amounts of empathy. Like, you know, if you're not an empathetic person, you're not going to be able to create these safe spaces, you know, and you don't have to experience what someone else has experienced, but if you experience similar emotions, like emotion is emotion, like I say not to everyone, anger is anger, frustration is frustration, seclusion is seclusion. But if you understand what that feels like and you've been through it and you empathise, that's how you create a safe space. You know, you don't create a safe space by always attacking someone or judging someone or trying to constantly give them advice, like, Sometimes the best advice is no advice. Sometimes you just need to sit and listen to that person because that's what they want, you know. But I think the end goal is to be physically active and emotionally vulnerable, you know, in the right environment. And that's what we're here to to create.
0: Yeah, I love it. I couldn't have said it better myself, man. And I'd love to break down the nitty-gritty of this 48-hour run. (laughs) We've highlighted it, you know, countless times already in the intro, but... First of all, how did you come up with the forty-eight hour time frame? I know you did the twenty-four hour <laughs> couple of months earlier. Was <laughs> it just logical to double it? Or? Twenty-four times two equals yeah. forty-eight, <laughs>
1: doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but how do you even
0: how do you even train for that? How do you prepare it? Take us through the process from you know discovering or m- deciding on forty-eight hours to actually
1: <laughs> you know, living it. Oh, it's. To be honest, there's no, like, I'm not going to tell you some amazing story and be like, oh, that's how we got to the 48-hour <laughs> hour idea. It was like, I came out of 24, I survived. The next logical thing for me was, all right, I still had the community piece, so I still wanted to work out a way to get people together. So my thing was, like, all right, 24, I survived, I got through, I ran really well. We'll just double it, like. And there was no thought process to it. There was not like, oh, hey, do I think I can do it? Like, of course I know I can do it. Like, I know I'll be able to do it once I train for it. So the idea was very simple. It was just, hey, let's just go double the time. Like, that just sounds crazy to me. And sounds crazy to most people, but just double time, 48 hours. Like, who do I know that's run 48 hours? Well, not many people unless they're, like, racing or... They wouldn't just do a 48-hour event, you know? So I just thought it was an awesome opportunity for me to be like holy shit like 24 was hard but it wasn't breaking point 48 sounded like a breaking point to me it sounded like a point where i'd be like some shit's gonna go down i'm gonna end up in hospital i'm gonna i'm gonna break down or i just thought that that i, I want i want to get to a point like and i really really do like i want to get to a point where i'm i, I won't say will hit it but almost get to my point of I, I I want to tap out. Like, And for me to get to that point is like, like there'd have to be some serious, serious, serious pain. Like, or some something. And it's just, I know it sounds stupid to most people, but if I still think I've got a little bit left in the tank, that angers me. <laughs> like it does. It angers me because like 48 hours, I ran really well. I probably could have ran a little bit further, which would have, you know, got me to that point. But... I feel like there's now something more that I can do to, to get to that point. Like so
0: that might stop you there. For the listeners at home that might be scratching the head thinking, Who is this guy and why does he seek discomfort? <laughs> why does finding your breaking point it's excite you? Like why does that like that's to some people that's that's crazy. Your body's designed to keep you in this, you know <laughs> equation that's so <laughs> balanced. Not it's an
1: equilibrium, yeah. isn't it? It's like it's, why does it excite I don't you? Don't know. I know. Cause I know I can, like it's just, like I know I can, but it's hard to explain what you get out of it. Like it's hard to explain how how you come out of it, becoming a better person. Like I feel like each run I do, I come out of it more aware of myself, more aware of my emotions, because once you go back into normal society, like there's nothing in your life that's going to happen that's as like, as painful as that, like, so I feel like everything that kind of comes up in my life now, like, I have less stress because I know what real, I know what stress on the body feels like, so, like, I feel like I do come out of these runs just at a, like, heaps better person, and it's, and I can't pinpoint, like, you can't pinpoint it, but it's all to do with emotion, yeah, and mindset, like, your mindset just gets shifted a little bit each time. You know, you become a bit more inspired in yourself. You become a little bit more creative. You, you become a little bit more aware of the people around you and yourself. And yeah, I don't know. It's it's got nothing to do with physical. Like it's got nothing to do with me being like, I just want to know that I can fucking I run for a week straight. Like it's got nothing to do with that. It's just everything to do with my emotions and everything to do with my mindset. Because you know, and th- you know, the running is a small part of my life. And we've spoken of off-air about like where I want to go and what I want to do business-wise so I feel like that is an avenue to helping me become a bit more self-aware and it's crazy how much more self-aware you become in those critical moments you know like I feel like you learn the most about yourself is when you're under pressure but more importantly when you're under duress like if you think about it the I think The most amazing place you can get to as a human being is being able to make a calculated, controlled decision under high emotion and high stress. Whether it's starting a business, starting, whatever it is that you want to start, like making coffee, yeah, it could be anything. It could be anything. Like you're going to be under pressure every day. Like there's going to be a level of, you know, stress is an internalization. That's, you know, it's it's what you it's what you can tolerate. So for me now, going to life. I know I can tolerate X amount of stress, but it's a it's a learnt behaviour, isn't it? You're like you have to learn that through something. For me, I learn it through running. For someone else, it might be they learn it through lifting weights, or they learn it through having constant vulnerable conversations. I choose to do running because that's what I'm good at, and that's what I know. So, like, I think for me, it's like my advice for someone is find what you can put yourself in. A controlled, stressed environment and see how you react and like learn to control your emotion under that stress because once you move into life, like, if whether it's your like, you know, I'm freshly in a relationship that stresses me the fuck out constantly, you know, because you're still learning about that person, but I'm more controlled in my stress and my emotion and I'm understanding her more so than I would have ever done if I hadn't done these runs because I'm a bit more self aware and I'm a bit more aware of someone else's emotions. So, you know, when people say, oh, he's batshit crazy, well, there's method to the madness. I do it for a reason because it makes me a better partner. It makes me a better brother. It makes me a better son. It makes me a better business partner. It makes me a better employee. And I think that is winning at life, yeah? Is when you can just be an overall good human. And that's what it allows me to do. Like, I just feel like it makes me a better human.
0: So essentially, you're saying that the the stress that you were under in that situation, in this case, a forty eight hour run, is interchangeable for other stresses that you may face in your life in whatever domain that be, because you've you've been through the worst, like you've you've pushed 100%. it up a hill for a bit, yeah. you know.
1: Like, did we not talk off air about how you were mentally burnt out? Yeah, being burnt out is a coping mechanism. Yeah, it's like. My burnt-out phase could be different from your burnt-out phase. Your burnt-out fra- phase is different from someone else's. But that's all based on our experiences, based on what we've tolerated in the past. So for me, I'm like, I've tolerated crazy, crazy amounts of stress. So whatever it is I do moving forward, I feel like my capacity of experiencing is is quite high because it's a learned behavior. Like I've, I've put myself through it yeah and for some people that's scary like it's scary to say hey well i'm going to push myself to the limit to understand a learned behavior like i get that like i 100 percent get that but you want to see what you're made of like you want to see how far you can push the envelope not from a running perspective from a life perspective from an emotional intelligent point of view from a self-awareness point of view you have to put yourself through stress like you know like i think a conversation i had with my partner was she said to me early on in the relationship was she's like i don't stress and i said so what are you learning and she found it hard to explain that to me i said like what are you learning about yourself if you're not putting yourself through some level of duress and she couldn't explain it to me and then she walked away saying holy shit like that kind of makes sense, and it does, like, how do you know what you're made of, and how do you how do you know what you're capable of doing, if you haven't put yourself, or, tr- you know, tried to find that breaking point? So, for me, it's like, you know, most people avoid the breaking point, most people want to avoid discomfort, whereas, like, I'll try and seek it out, because I know what I can tolerate, and I know that, even at my worst, I'm still capable. But you just have to push the envelope just a little bit each time. So that's why the first run was monumental, but the second run was even more monumental, and the third run was even more monumental because now I'm just finding new limits. But someone else's limit might just be very minute to start. It might just be having an open conversation with a friend that might be the start. You know, it might just be, "Hey, I'm going to quit my job and I'm actually going to I'm going to target my passion area." Or, well, hey, I'm going to spend less time focusing on the negative and more time on the positive. So, like, you know, what I do at this level is someone else's point at this level, you know, if that makes yeah, sense definitely. at all. Yeah. So, it's all relative to where you are in life. But I think the most important thing is just understanding that you're always capable of more. Like, you know when people say sky's the limit? Like, <laughs> it's so, so cliche, but... For me, it, like, it really is. Like, you know, there's there's a point of diminishing returns, of course, when it comes to certain things. But, you know, you might grow 10% to start. You might grow 20% to start. And then that might drop off and it might go down to the minute. It might be, now you're just looking for 1% increments. But, like, why should you stop if you only, like, why should you stop there? Like, search for the 1%. Search for the, like, 0.5% percent. Like, you know, when I first started out, I felt like I was growing really, really quickly. Now I feel like I'm not growing as fast as what I did, but I'm still searching for the that little one percent extra, two percent, three percent, like fucking search for it.
0: I love that, mate, because we live in such a society where we're told about things that are dangerous for us, we're told about things mm. that are good for us mm. without even experiencing them for ourselves. Like, yeah. if you're a kid, you don't know that climbing up a tree is dangerous unless you yeah. fall down. 100%. Right? Like, or the way we find out nowadays is our parents are not saying that this is yeah. a bad thing. I think this is good yeah. parenting. But, like, our parents tell us, don't climb the tree, be careful because we'll fall. But yeah. to the kid, he doesn't know what falling feels like. So, in putting this in a situation of running, you don't know what your limits are until you... Experience yeah. them like with the forty-eight yeah. hour vulnerability. 100%. One.
1: I'm gonna put some shoulder pads on my kid and a helmet and I'm gonna i I'm gonna just throw him up to the top of the tree and say, jump. <laughs> <laughs> land, land <laughs> on your feet. <laughs> no, nah, like it's a bit but like the you know, the yeah. the Don't one no the one thing that really like grinds my gears is is this phrase right here is I am content. <laughs> it it honestly it like and I'm I'm not saying from a materialistic financial point of view, just the phrase I am content and I hear I hear it so much in people's relationship, I'm content in my relationship. Like, why should you ever be content? Like just happy with being in that one spot for the rest of your life. You know, like and I always go back to where I am now with this new relationship. And I, I, the first thing I said to my partner was I constantly want to search for how we can make each other happier. Like, even when we think we're happy, like I want to continue to search for that 1% of extra happiness. Like why should you ever sit back and be like, I'm, I'm contently happy now. Like, why wouldn't you work tirelessly every day to try and find a new level of happiness like isn't that what life's about is like continuous learning like and that's how i take my approach in my running is like i don't want to be content with what i've done like i could stop today and be very content and say you know what what i've done in 12 months 98% of the population may not ever do but i'm like fuck that like i (laughs) i don't i don't want to ever use the term contentness like i want to constantly just be searching for a little bit more and don't think I'm, i mean more cars more houses more money like i never think that it's like more happiness more self-awareness more emotional intelligence more understanding of others more empathy like why wouldn't you seek that out i think it's important to say in this at this
0: point in the conversation to for people to understand that Their decisions are attached to an emotion behind those decisions, and when people start to tap into the emotion Mm. behind the decisions Mm. they're making, that's when this window opens Mm. and people start to strive for more, right? Mm. So, I'll use an example of you wanting to go on a holiday for X amount of days throughout the year, but you're wanting to do that three or four times throughout the year. Maybe the emotion isn't like maybe you're not just wanting to go and experience a holiday. You might be, but the emotion might just be freedom. You want some Mm. freedom and that can be experienced through other elements of your life. So really tapping into the emotion that's behind the decision that you're making enables Mm. you to push the limits and and Mm. strive for Mm. not being just content. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I I I think think that's so important. I think being content in elements of your life is okay at points in time, but...
1: But like talent... (laughs) <laughs> Can you give me an example like being content like I don't want to put you on the spot nah, but like I love this let's, conversation let's it's go good give me give me just give me an example of what area of your life you'd be content with
0: So being content for a, a period of time oh, to okay. Yes. Yeah, D- now that's <laughs> yeah. okay now that's different So <laughs> being content for a period yeah. of time to regather yeah. your thoughts yeah. I think is really important 100%. because we need to be able to celebrate the wins that we've just yeah. had like for example Damo if you were just to go do your twenty-four hour run, and then two weeks I'd do the forty-eight hour run. Yeah. You didn't give yourself time to Different. F- to yeah. celebrate the yeah. success. So I think it's important to recognize that yes, yeah. we need to celebrate being content and enjoy yeah. being content. But then, what's our action plan going forward, and, yeah. and why? What do? we How do we want to feel mm-hmm. like moving mm-hmm. forward? Mm-hmm.
1: But Does I still feel like, question? yeah, that a uh, hundred percent. And I think cool. that's so important for people listening is to, yes, like you can have moments of contentness, but is it really just being content or is it really taking a moment to appreciate what you've done so then you can move forward so that is still an element of you're still moving like you're still moving like you know like I I think I 100% agree with you know trying to give yourself time to reflect like you you have to do that and everyone reflects differently as long as your reflection doesn't become pondering and like just sitting there questioning what you now are gonna do next. As long as it's a moment of reflection and appreciation for what you've done, and you know, maybe it's a time for you to sit and say, Hey, what is my next action plan? But then there comes a moment where you have to now go action that, you know. So I think, yeah, I think that's important for people to understand that. Being Definitely. content for a period if it means you're reflecting. On either what you've done or what you want to do moving forward but I think sitting back and being content that this is now how I want to live the rest of my life and I'm content with not getting better I think that is probably where I'm going more with it is being content with not wanting to get better.
0: agree I totally agree with that and I think that that's a really really important attribute that we all should have I think that as a little disclaimer that that same contentness or striving to do better doesn't have to be in the same field. So there's gonna become a point where you you just can't run for as many days without sleep. Well (laughs) (laughs) you never know. (laughs) But your body's gonna break down and you're gonna find that point where it's like it's physically not impossible. So Channelling that same emotion behind that, so you're mm. still utilising <coughs> the emotion of pushing the mm. barriers. I think mm. that c- that's interchangeable no matter whatever you do. And yeah. I know that you're gonna be successful in whatever yeah. you do because that drive and determination is mm. the blueprint mm. to create a legacy in whatever that you want to do. It's not, mm. it doesn't have to always be running. So mm. I guess what I was saying before Just to like put some context to what I'm thinking in my head Because sometimes
1: I <laughs> 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 You just go off on it yeah. and you yeah. <laughs> forget so that people are listening <laughs>
0: yeah. So to put context to that if you're, if you're hard in that situation or you're challenging And you found a breaking point for that Or, or a time where you're like you just don't see any natural progressions mm. Don't be scared to change a different field And, and mm. find a different space that you can utilise The same blueprint as we spoke about before
1: but 100, it's just about finding what, what's your, you know, going back to what a lot of people you would hear on social media and, like, if you listen to very inspiring people is, like, you need to have a why attached to it, yeah? And, like, your why, like, for me, you know, people know me as someone who runs, but people know me as someone who provides a safe place for someone to have a conversation and for someone who... You know, like I feel like what I have done within my own ability is not just a physical sense. It's I'm trying to constantly tap into what more do I have up here in my head mentally and what more do I have in here in my heart to give. Like I know physically you're capped, yeah, like and you're not not capped, but like there's gonna come a point where there's only so far you can go and push the envelope. Whereas mentally and emotionally, like, uh, there's so much more to it, yeah? Like, there's so so much more that you can give and you can achieve. And for anyone out there who's listening, like, my thing is running, yeah? Think about all the industries that are out there, all the job occupations. Like, you can do whatever it is you want, but I feel like the hardest part is getting to a point of finding your purpose and passion. For me, it took endless amounts of trauma and you know losing dad and and which we've spoken about on the last podcast is it took all of that to happen to me that to then go shit this is what i want to do like this is my why you know but you may not find your why straight away like you might have to just throw yourself in the deep into something and just say all right well this is for me or it's not for me you know um but being more self-aware emotionally intelligent, like just having a lot more emotion around what you do, I feel like creates more purpose and passion. Gives you more drive for things, like you care about a lot more, you know? And you remove the element of being content, you know? Once you're content, like you know, how many people do you talk to? And you PT people, so you would talk about life a lot. Like how many people say, oh, I don't really like my job, but it pays the bills. It's like, are you just going to do that for the rest of your life? Like you're just gonna be content that you hate your job, but it provides support for your family. And like I get it. Like if you if you financially you you have restrictions in terms of you know you've got a family to look after. But all right, well if it means that you've got to put a bit extra time into a little side hustle to then make your passion purpose like a reality, well, like you're gonna work towards it, or you're just gonna sit there and be a victim. You know, like we all have a choice I feel you know and for me I'm all about just remove as many excuses as I can I think that's the one thing like with why I do a lot of what I do is let's just remove every excuse as to why I can't do something and sometimes you fucking you just end up making an excuse like that's our natural ability as human beings is to be like I can't do something I can't do that because of X, Y, Z fair enough like we get it So I just go about every week being like, all right, how can I remove as many excuses as possible?
0: Process of elimination. And Mm. just to touch on what you said before there, Demo, I totally, totally agree with what you said about being in that state of content and knowing that something's detrimental to you or not serving you, but not doing something about it or not doing Mm. anything about Mm. it Mm. is what... Really annoys me as well, but I totally understand the ch- the challenges and the mm. struggles that are faced and attached to that. Like I'll use that um, that analogy that you gave before, like going to a job that you don't like mm. just because it pays the bills. Like, yeah, the bills are important. Yes, yeah, supporting your family mm. is important. But if that's not exciting you, then mm. how many hours are there in a day to be able to utilize other things to be able mm. to make those things work? You know, and now I think mm. that's where it comes back to what you said before in the podcast about knowing your why and, and aligning your passions yeah. to why and understanding your emotions and your actions and how they're closely intertwined, right? So if your why is strong enough, I'm going to steal this off you, Sean Bell, if you're listening right, from our right. last podcast. <laughs> if your why is strong enough, you'll find a way. But if your yeah. why is not strong enough, you'll find an excuse. Yeah, so um, I think yeah. we need to dig deeper in the first place and start to find out why, why we're doing the things.
1: But mm. mm. well, that takes takes time trial and error yeah like you just gotta be dedica- dedicated to the long game yeah like you gotta understand you know like don't search for perfection i think that's the thing is like one thing i realized early on is like i if i constantly search for perfection i was constantly disappointed in myself even if i was doing amazing things you know like there was points where i'd be doing incredible things i was training hard i was working i was creating impact but i was like i, I i'm I'm less than perfect and I used to tell myself that so I'd always be disappointed in what I was currently doing so it's like yeah you know you can find your why but don't don't make your why perfect like make your why work for you like that's because as soon as you start doing it for someone else or for something else other than you it becomes meaningless you know and I think that's the thing is find a why that has longevity you know like for Mm -hmm. me my why is in people there's longevity in people unless robots and aliens come and take us all over but <laughs> you happening, know what <laughs> I mean, <laughs> <way> these days like <laughs> next year i could not have a why but you know my my why is in giving back to people yeah. you know but that's my why you know your why might be in i don't know buying cafes it might be in moving to darwin and <laughs> playing cricket <laughs> but you know what i mean like it could be anything just make it work for you just make sure that it's You're not searching for perfection
0: yeah and i think that comes back to what we alluded to earlier in the podcast about knowing your challenges and knowing that your heart is different to someone else's so don't Mm. try and compare your heart to someone else's like i'm i'm not a runner by by any stretch of the imagination Mm. i enjoy running but Mm. i'm not going to go out tomorrow and do a 48-hour run because i Mm. know that that's probably (laughs) how do i say this
1: it's not realistic uh, right yes, now right now correct that's right. so
0: in this point in time my heart would be going out and doing I don't know a 15k run let's just put mm. a number on it for s- this conversation yep. purpose and that's hard to me <coughs> right but I guess where we're going with this conversation is to constantly be pushing that the challenges yeah in every
1: domain and it's crazy <laughs> you know there's like I said before about like how far past your comfort zone you can go it's just get to your discomfort level like just get there first because that takes a lengthy period to get there and takes a lot of fucking pressure stress anxiety but once you're there then you can start to open up further possibilities you know like that's what i felt like my a lot of my growth has come from not what i've done since i was 20 and losing dad and it's literally come in the last 12 months like because i've i've searched for more meaning you know like i've searched like my why is strong and it's powerful but i'm just thinking like how can i make it more powerful you know i'm i'm searching for more discomfort to then in turn be able to inspire more people you know but it's an interesting one like it's people are an interesting one <laughs> yeah, you know like I know the way I, and I think that's the thing is you can get caught up in thinking that your way is going to work for everyone, and like there is certain things of what everyone does that are very common. So like my my the hardest thing I felt challenging was like I know, like I've got to a point where I know how far you can go. So sometimes I find it hard to understand why people don't want to get to that point, you know, like. But then uh, you've got to sit back and say, not everyone's willing to feel that level of discomfort. Mm. No one's, not everyone's willing to feel that level of pain. And that's okay, you know? And that's what I'm starting to understand more now is like, you know, what I choose to put myself through is an extreme, it's an extreme level of discomfort. It's not the normal level of discomfort. But I've got to understand that people don't want to get to that point sometimes, you know? But my job is to be like, well, how can I help you? Just say a little bit of that. Because <laughs> I know what's on the other side. Like, I know I'm still living. Like, I don't have any health issues. Like, I don't come out of these runs, end up in hospital. Like, with, you know, my kidneys are ruined, my liver's stuffed, you know. Like, I'm, I'm a normal functioning human being that goes to work <laughs> three days later. Like, <laughs> so, you know, you can do this sort of stuff. Like it's possible yeah yeah <laughs> if you do it the right way
0: yeah totally agree i totally agree and you know not advocating for doing reckless challenges just noticing that you want to be you know if you're wanting to take on a challenge in your mm. life that you're mm. going to have some element of growth beyond discomfort and through great adversity comes great growth we've seen it like as a globe when COVID happened mm. and the whole situation and through a spanner in the works we were like living in this society Mm. where we get Mm. you know all this instant gratification all these things happening Mm. instantaneous and then suddenly the world stops and we don't know how to function but the root things that survived through that it wasn't you know it wasn't materialistic things it was Mm. human connection and relationship building and I think towards the end of it I know like speaking for us down in Melbourne we we copped it really hard for Australia and like I know other parts of the world like are are still going through this period Mm. of time but we now have this, like, newfound sense of connection and newfound yeah. s- found sense of communication and building relationships yeah. and, like, almost this new purpose, so... Which is good.
1: It's amazing. Because the, p- the thing that shits me to tears, <laughs> kills me, is being rewarded for materialism. Like, especially through our social media and stuff is, you know, we're we're being rewarded for doing nothing you know and i don't want to get into like that side of it all but you know my job is to show people that or help people understand that you can influence people in a in a powerful way like and that's why our society keeps moving we're not moving forward like we're moving backwards because of these reasons yeah he's like we we've we've lost Connection with people, like we've lost the ability to sit one on one and truly understand the pain in someone's eyes, because we don't see the pain in someone's eyes anymore. Because we see the smile on their face on Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> Not everyone shows the pain in their face. Yeah. Like I try to be very real. Like I'll cry on my Instagram. i can po- I'll be as honest as I can be and as real as I can be. But when we're getting followed not being open and vulnerable we're getting followed because we're putting fake shit on there not based on how we feel but based on what we think the world wants to see how is our society supposed to move forward like how we can't like i see it more now than ever how disconnected like society has become with each other and like you see it in the conversations like conversations are not about raw emotion and you know trying to connect each other they're about you know, competing against each other on what we have and what we don't have and what people see or like, you know what I mean? For me, I'm just like, it's fucking sad. Like it's really, really sad. So, you know, I always think every day is like, how can I give someone else the ability to say, Hey, you know what? I'm going to push a real message. I'm going to push a raw emotion message and not a message of, you know, like, (laughs) Hey, I'm going to filter the shit out of this photo (laughs) and make it look like, you know, I own this Ferrari and like, Totally agree. Yeah. Yeah. It's it, and that's that's a podcast on its on its own. But going back to you know the piece about communities. Well, in my community, I try and avoid that. You know, I'm trying to avoid those bullshit, meaningless conversation.
0: What's your why within your community? I, mean, I know this, but mm. for the listeners at home, mm. what is your why within that? Like if you said it earlier about relationships and connection, but mm. but why? <laughs>
1: why is because. For me, I've no, I know what it feels like to feel disconnected. You know, we've talked about it in, my last, in the last podcast. Is like, I know what it feels like to, you know, not want to be here anymore, to want to end my own life. And I know how much people struggle on a day-to-day basis. And I only know that because I ask the right questions, because I, I can see and I can empathise. So my job is, and my why, is to get other people to see that in each other you know, and like I always say I want to build a community based off love and care. Why? Because if you do everything based off love and care, it has all the more meaning. You understand more. Like when you love someone, you care for someone, you're not gonna see through them, you're not gonna see past them, you're not gonna see behind them, like you're gonna see like you're gonna see them for who they actually are. So the running, that, all that, like these podcasts, whatever. <laughs> It's all a means to an end for me. It's all a means to an end to say, hey, we need to base all these relationships off love and care. And the more we can do that, you know, I feel like the better off we're all going to be. So my why is just like, all right, how do I create that atmosphere of love and care? A big way is running. Like when people run together, you're feeling like the same emotions, you know, when you sit down in a, in a group and you chat about the things that matter while you're feeling those raw emotions. So, you know, there's, there's a few rolling elements to a why as well, yeah. It's like, this is your core why, but then there's, it branches off into other areas too, you know. As much as I want to build a community based off love and care, like I have a few other whys that surround that and complement it, you know. So, because... You know at at the core you're always gonna have that main why but as you move into a few different things I feel like you've got to have a few different avenues as to what you're doing as well that's just my opinion
0: no I love it I guess I just wanted to tie that in a bow for people at home because we've come on like some tangents today and I absolutely love these tangents because (laughs) they're all tying up together but for people at home that are Mm. that are sitting there and thinking like how the fuck does this all make sense it makes sense because Damien has created this community based off, you can hear Buddy barking in the background, sorry. Damien's based this community off love and care and he's he's experienced these emotions before. Inter- interject if I'm getting anything wrong, Damien, but he's creating this community so that we can all come together and experience what it's like to have these meaningful conversations and mm. get through the other side and mm. the action that is bringing these people together. It's running.
1: Mm. Jesus, <laughs> buddy, he likes
0: that one too. Mate. So, I guess to to tie that in a bow, like mm. how how can people understand what their why is and actually take action on it? Because we know, mm. like you know. We we all have different why's Mm. that, why we do things, but we want to dig deeper into why we're actually doing things. Like, Mm. I not I just want to sleep in because I'm tired. Mm. Like, why are you tired?
1: Like, what's happening? It's a it's a process. Yeah. Like, there's nothing I can give you to say. Bang! I'm gonna wake up today. I'm gonna work on these five points, and you're gonna find your why. No, you just gotta try a bunch of different shit find what you like surround yourself with incredible people who inspire you to be better like it's not just a matter of just hey go find your why like for me there's heaps of things that I've done one is put myself in the element of discomfort two surround myself with the most amazing people three wake up every day and do things that serve you yeah like you know if you're going to live your life serving others you're never going to find your why so I feel like it's a process over time to then finding your why. But it, you got to start with yourself. You got to start understanding yourself a bit better, understanding the way you react in certain situations, the way you know your emotions control you and make and allow you to make certain decisions. So I I can't tell people, I can't give you a formula and say, "Hey, this is how you find your why." Like everyone copes with stress very differently, like go through life, experience stuff. Like experience what it feels like to to stress <laughs> like I know it sounds stupid but you have to put yourself through vulnerable situations to then come out and be like that worked, that didn't I like the way I did this I like the way I reacted to that I like this person I hate that I don't hate that person I dislike this person doesn't serve me That's exploiting. I like that occupation but I don't like that op- occupation but if I bring a little bit of that into that I may enjoy it like You know what I mean? Like, I could could sit here for another three hours and explain different ways that I've explored my why. Like, write down your values. Like, understand, like, for me, love, care, community, connection, you know, like, find out what are the words you live by. Write them down. Like, I'm sure you've got something somewhere where you know exactly what your values are, you know. Um, So, I don't know. Like, it's... uh, Give you that formula. Like I just
0: I think you already have though, experiencing <laughs> things and understanding yeah. and connecting with how you felt during those times. Mm. Like we're we're really disconnected with how we're mm. feeling mm. and we're not connecting the dots to yeah. why we're feeling that
1: way or what yeah. is
0: yeah. the root cause for that, you know. But so and
1: like to to sum up like that question, the bow tie question is If you think that there's something that you don't struggle with on a day-to-day basis, like, think again. Like, if you think that you can go through a whole day and not struggle with something, like, it's fucking bullshit. Like, we all struggle with something, regardless. And the only way to fix that is we need help. (laughs) Like, we need support. We need a network around us. You don't just go through your life and be like, oh, hey, you know... This happened. I'm depressed, but I'm gonna just get myself out of it. Fucking bullshit! You're not gonna get yourself out of anything. You're gonna get yourself. You're gonna help get yourself out of it by surrounding yourself with amazing people who can help you get out of it. Like, you never do anything yourself. Like when I was in a heap, I never got myself out of that. Like I didn't sit in my room, cry myself to sleep, and suddenly wake up and be like, "Ooh, (laughs) I helped myself get out of that." Like. You know, so when I, when, when I sum it up in the bow tie, it's because I know everyone struggles with something. And the only way to get out of it is support networks. It's like it's the only way. So that's why my, my vision on creating such a safe environment is because I know everyone has something to talk about. I guarantee if I sit here with you for an hour and really trying to peel back the layers, we'll discover something that you struggle with whether it's something that is personal to you or something that, you know, might not be intrinsic. It might be something a little bit external, but you're going to find something and you're not going to be able to sort that out yourself.
0: I love it. I love it. It speaks wonders about the type of man that you are, Damien, like it's all serving other people. I, I really, really do appreciate that and sharing that with us all, mate, so thank you. I guess talking about the actual event itself... (laughs) <laughs> no, I love that we've taken this yeah. this turn Like, mm. this was not planned Like I had <laughs> questions, I had questions <laughs> about, like, the nutrition before the run Oh, like, yeah, 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 yeah Let's move to that, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah we, we can We absolutely yeah. can But I really love that we've spoken about all these things mm. Because I feel like it's going to add this an extra oomph to what Yeah, because, it, be, you yeah. know,
1: everyone thinks I just run You know, like yeah. I love having these conversations Like, this is a conversation that I would have with my mates you know, but when I get on a podcast or I, you know, people just want to know about the running. Yeah. People want to know, holy shit, dude, you ran two hundred and five kilometers, like, yeah, I, I did. But why? That's <laughs> why well, I want to know. And that's where we've gotten to now. Yeah. But let's get back to the run. <laughs> let's actually talk about the
0: day of event demo. So you've you've rocked up to. If anyone doesn't know, you did this at the Mervelong River, <laughs> running in a circle for forty eight <laughs> hours. <laughs> really, really stimulating. Mm. No, I changed direction. (laughs) 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 You went backwards. (laughs) 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 It's got this like vision in my head of you on a unicycle going (laughs) around the river. Mm -hmm. Um, Talk to us a little bit about like the emotions of you unpacking the car at the aid station just about to start the run. Mm. And let's talk about some of the times where you were physically, emotionally challenged (laughs) and... How other people around you and the community pulled you through that. Yeah.
1: Such a massive, massive part. Like the the hard thing about creating your own event is you have to you have to organise, you have to set up, you have to pack up. Like the good thing about going and just entering a race is you show up. (laughs) You show up, the event's organized. So for me, the day doesn't start at two PM like when it's going to kick off the run <laughs> the day starts at when i get to i got to the river at about 12 o'clock so i'm already there two hours before the sun is raging and i'm there and i have to set up everything don't I? Like I have to set up my marquee i have to set up my nutrition station i have to set up all my food i have to line everything up i have to set up all my like all my clothes i have to set up all my drinks like You know, everything. I've got a generator because I need... I've got a microwave. I've got a kettle. Like, you've got to set up everything so that... Brought the whole kit and caboodle. Yeah, well, you have... Look, and the funny thing was, like, I rocked up there and I was like, holy shit, I forgot my microwave. So, I sent someone to Kmart and bought a microwave from Kmart (laughs) on the day of the run. Like, so, you're already... Not stressed, but you're already in a little bit of a panic because you just want to get to a point where everything's set up and now I can relax, so... I, th- I remember finishing packing up, it was about quarter past one, I was like, oh, I'm just going to lay down in the shade, because it was, the temperature was peaking, like, it was 28, I think, on the Friday, but... I think it was the hottest
0: day we had of summer, to be fair. To,
1: to be honest, <laughs> I felt like it, and I'll tell you, at what point it felt like it, was, it was probably about, I think it was about 12 o'clock, and I, we had this conversation off air, and I remember just going to the toilet, and it was the first time I'd been, so well little 10 hours in, and... And because like you don't w- you like you don't go to the toilet a lot when you when you do these runs because
0: your all your th- yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: and and all your blood flow goes to the working muscles and it takes away from your digestive system your urinary tract like it takes away from it all it goes like even like your vital organs work <laughs> but all everything gets pumped towards towards the, the working muscles that need it so it was like twelve o'clock and I remember I, was like, oh, I need I need a to to toilet you know going to the bush, fucking dark. And I just remember seeing like, and because it was black, like pitch black, I couldn't really see, but like my urine, I was like, "That doesn't look right. Like I remember just looking at it, and being like, "Fuck!" and I couldn't really see the colour of it. So the whole, like the whole tent area was lit up, like with lights. So I was like, all right, I'm just going to move a bit closer so I can see what's going on here. I'll move, and it was just pure blood. And I was like, Fuck and it's not good. Like, generally, you're uri- you know, your urinating blood. There's something going on with your kidneys or... Like, there's something wrong. Like, that just doesn't happen. So, I was like, oh, fuck okay, it. We'll just keep going. So, I kept running for the next sort of hour and 45. And I was like, oh, I feel like I need to go to the toilet again. So, I'll go again. Same thing. Just pure, pure blood. And this by this stage, I'm starting to panic because it's like it's like almost like a... an. A, what is it like a placebo effect like when you think something's wrong or like i don't know i just felt like i was pissing blood so then i started feeling all this pain in my kidneys but i don't know if it was pain i feel like maybe it was just me seeing the blood and being like "Holy oh shit my kidneys now hurt <laughs> you know so i was just running and i had all this pain through my back and like and generally like you know your kidney pain comes like on the side of your back and stuff and i was like oh i gotta just changed the strategy but at this point i started panicking because i'm like oh, I'm you just goes through your head you're like fuck, what's gonna go off call the ambulance like you know my mum because my mum stayed there the whole time as well so she had seen what happened you know my girlfriend saw what happened so they all start stressing like fuck, we're calling the ambulance like this is not right like you're not supposed to be urinating blood and then like I showed a few other people and they're like dude like this is fucked up like if it like just I, don't know. I was like nah just let it be i have a feeling it's gonna pass like something <laughs> But in my head, I was probably just like, nah, this shit's not going to pass. Like, I'm just going to have to deal with it. And if it gets to a point where I've got to call the ambulance, I'll call the ambulance. Like, that's it. Like, the game over. So, anyway, I was like, all right. So, the process now is all right, let me just get as much water into the body. If it's something to do with my kidneys, I'll try and flush it out. Because in the lead up, I'd, I'd been on heavy, heavy painkillers and anti inflammatories because I was nursing a calf injury, and I said this to you before, was I didn't run for the last 10 days in the lead-up to the run, not by choice, just I'd had a little strain in my calf, which in my head I was like, I just need to avoid the pain. Like, I just need to... So I was anti-inflammatories, painkillers, anti-inflammatories, painkillers. So that was probably the cause of why I was urinating blood. On top of that was the dehydration. So that was probably the one point where I was like, holy shit, I don't think I'm going to make it. Like, if this... That was one of the things where i was health concerns was the only thing that was really going to stop me you know it was like if something happened to me internally and i and i was going to jeopardize my health health moving forward i would have stopped the run so luckily just i removed all artificial foods so like um you know all my cliff bars all my like electrolyte drinks and i just stayed more like whole foods um and just water and then it after about three hours, three and a half hours, it eventually passed, which was, which was crazy. But then, yeah, it was like get through the night. Sunrise comes up. By this stage, I think we were about uh, just under a hundred k. But the like the daunting part is like, hey, we've made it to sunrise, but now we've got to make it to sunset. <laughs> make it to sunset and then from sunset we have to make it to another sunrise so you know making it to the first sunrise was like it was such an achievement and that's how I kind of like broke it down was like alright just get to sunset on the first night get to sunrise then get to sunset and then get to sunrise and that's how I kind of broke it down but when I got to sunrise on Saturday I was like 2 p.m. the next day so far away. Like, it's still, like, it's like 30 hours away still. Like, so far. And after the, everything that happened with the urinating of the blood, I was like, all right, I'll just, just get into a nice routine. Get back onto your nutrition. Because the, the hardest thing is if you skip an hour of nutrition, you're behind the eight ball. Like, you know, our nutrition plan was we had to consume 90 to 120 grams of carbs per hour. Which is, if, if for anyone who weighs their food and stuff, like it's a decent amount of pure carbs just to get in. Like, so I would eat, for example, like I would eat a cup of noodles, like fantastic noodles, and a cliff bar every hour, or I'd have a bacon and cheese roll and a cup of soup. Like, that's a meal, yeah? Like, you're having that as a meal on its own. Like, I'd have that, I wouldn't have that for lunch, but like if someone consumed that, that's like a that that'll last you five six hours. I had to consume that every hour, so like every hour I was eating like a shitload of food. On top of that, hydrating with Tailwind, which is full of like magnesium, sodium, potassium, like all the good stuff. So it was hard to sort of maintain because you constantly felt full. Like as much as I was running, it's like fuck, I've got to eat again. And an hour goes pretty quickly, like when you're running, mm-hmm. and you get back and you're like fuck how am I going to consume? But there were points where I'd feel like, not sick, but like, I don't know if I can get this down. Like, But you have to because if you miss an hour, if you miss two hours of good nutrition, like you just can't make it up. So, you know, we got to probably Saturday night. I got to Saturday night and thought everything that I had brought on the run just didn't seem an appetizing anymore. So I remember I said to someone, go get me two fucking cheeseburgers. Go to Macca's. I want a coffee and I need two cheeseburgers. <laughs> so that's what I did. I, someone went and I had McDonald's. I had two cheeseburgers. I had a coffee. Um, one of my aunties brought, like I'm, I come from an Italian family and like we call them coutaletti, which is like chicken schnitzels. Um, she brought like fucking homemade crumb chicken schnitzels and... Um, are you, are you, you're Italian. Italian. You know uh, croquet? Yeah. like Yeah, yeah. So she brought fucking massive platters of croquet. Like, so every all my whole community who were running were, like, just indulging in, like, chicken schnitzels and, like, cro- croquet. Like, these rice and cheese and, like, like, these balls and... The whole... Everyone, we just stopped at one moment. We are like, fuck the run. Like, let's just sit here and just <laughs> feast on all this food. <laughs> like, but it just... In a run like that, like things change very quickly, yeah? yeah? Like something that you ate an hour ago may not sit in the next hour, you know? So it was kind of just broken down hour by hour. Um, but from, I reckon, the 30 sort of five hour mark was the point where I was like, fuck me, like this is, yeah, this is not, <laughs> this is not getting any easier, you know? So. It's like at that point where the pain doesn't get worse. It's just mentally, how long can you hold on for now? And that's kind of the approach we took for the next 13 hours.
0: <laughs> Fucking hell. I feel like this is a cliffhanger for an episode of something. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, I'm waiting to hear what you have to say next, but I have to ask a question and leave the conversation. But demo, like at that point in time, like, mm. you know, you've, you've explained how you've, "Quote unquote," hit the wall that many times. Mm. Did you have any any points where you just like, no, nah, I can't do this. Like, I'm 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 not going on any further. Like, I'm
1: actually, No. nah, nah. not at all. You when I say hit the wall, you hit the wall physically. Yeah, yeah. The wa- what the point I'm at now is like, I know what hitting the wall physically feels like, mm-hmm. but I also know what going around the wall and just like pushing a little bit further feels like and it's sometimes you know when you hit the wall physically it's not about hey i got to keep running like you know uh, you just have to find a way to keep moving and if that means walking like don't get me wrong like I'm not going to sit here and be like hey I ran for 48 hours straight like I didn't there's no fucking way it's not possible to do that like some guy broke the Australian record um, last week and he ran 330 kilometers in 48 hours but he walked a little bit and he slept for like an hour and a half. So don't think, like, you know, you hit the wall and it's like, hey, fuck, I'm going to do some like crazy ass shit and just keep running. <laughs> no, you fucking, no fucking chance I'm going to do that. But it's not Forrest Gump. <laughs> no, but no, Forrest Gump was a two hour movie. <laughs> I was running for 48 hours. <laughs> fucking serious or what? <laughs> Everyone said Are you Forrest Gump. I said Forrest Gump ran for fucking twenty minutes of the movie. You bastard! Like I ran for forty-eight hours, or well, forty-four hours straight. Don't ever compare me to Forrest Gump, you bastard. That, that has to be my my snippet of the podcast. Has to be. Has to be. But the thing you when you hit the wall is find a way to keep moving. And that's like okay related to life. If you hit a wall where you think you can't just. Just take a couple more steps, like just, and it, it gets a little bit easier. Like in my case, it doesn't get easier in terms of hey, it's gonna get, it's gonna get better. No, like the longer you run, the harder it keeps getting. But you just, I know mentally, I'm never gonna break. But that's the point I've got to now. Like when I was early on in my running, it was like I was a bit more vulnerable in that sense. Is like I'd give up a little bit easier. But now I've understood, you know, where I can go mentally. Like physically. I've done enough training to know that even when my body feels like it's broken, it's not. You can still keep moving. it's like, if you want to go back to Goggins, it's like the 40% rule. When you think you're done, you're only 40% of the way. And it's fucking true. Like, I, I don't like to admit or, like, agree with a lot of things on what the way he goes about it. And that's me. But when you think you're done, you can go further. But it's like, all right, well, how do you go further? Well, you don't have to run, you know, like you can walk. (laughs) So for me, I walked a little bit, you know. Shifting the goalposts. Yeah, you just have to... Like for me, I was always like, my intention was never to run 48 hours non-stop. It's not physically possible. I was moving for maybe 44 hours, 43 hours, yeah, something like that, 44 hours, like a couple hours sleep, a couple hours like for eating, nutrition to stop because you can't eat and run. Like you have to stop and scoff it all down. So I think... Probably the thirty six hour mark or a bit bit earlier, thirty two was like the hit the wall mark where like I actually got to a point where my muscles weren't even working anymore. Like I would run on autopilot for a lap, which was four K. I'd walk for heart for about five hundred metres to a K and then I'd run the second lap, so it was an eight K. I'd get to the aid station and once I stopped I couldn't stand up. So, like, I'd, I'd sit on the on the floor or on the massage table and I'd go to get up and my legs would just collapse. So, then I'd get someone to, like, help me stand up and i will be like, all right, just help me move my legs. Like, just walk a little bit, walk a little bit, get them, like, moving just a little bit and then, all right, slow jog, slow, slow jog. So, like, I was running, like, and if anyone knows terminology with running, it's like, you know, my normal running pace would be, a, say, a five minute. Eight, five minute per kilometer. Like I was running eight, eight thirties. Like you can, you could have walked faster than I was running. <laughs> you know, but like you go back, shift the goalpost. Like if I, if I had told myself, no, you have to keep running, keep running, keep, I would have just died. I would have. It was inevitable. You know. So hitting the wall physically is different to hitting the wall mentally. Once you hit the wall mentally, you're fucked. It's true. Well you stop? Yeah, because for me, I I always know I'm going to hit the wall physically. Like It's inevitable. When you push yourself that far, you're going to hit the wall physically. But I always just make sure that mentally, I can always go that one step, two step, one lap, 1K, one hour. And you manage. You get through it. I'm really glad we
0: started off the podcast the first sort of 40 minutes talking about why you did this because like if we didn't put context to the situation people are no. just going to be thinking like what the fuck stupid like, yeah but i love that we've got context to work from there. i love it quickly i just want to touch on your sleep demo like often people know that like when you're tired you just you just sleep man like, yeah. but in that heightened sense like you've got a lot of anxiety you've got people there you've got an event to worry about but mm. like you're emotionally and physically like exhausted did you like did you sleep at all did you actually physically sleep or was it just um, you lying down and did that make <laughs> you feel worse because like sometimes when you have yeah. an hour of sleep like you feel yeah. worse so
1: yeah there was what was that like so in my head i was like all right. I'll plan to sleep on the first night, and I'll plan to sleep on the second night. I have two, maybe like one hour sleeps. I'll get two hours in total. So I got to, I think it was one o'clock, two o'clock, um, on the Saturday night, and I was like, oh, I'll, I'll just, I'll just have a nap. <laughs> Which having that means open the back door of the car, and I was sleeping in the back door. I was sleeping in my mum's boot. That's like, that's where I was sleeping. Like I didn't have a bed or anything. It was just like just wherever I could lay down, I'll just park up, Um, but I wasn't like, I felt on the first night, I, I, I went to bed forcing myself to, like I wasn't even tired, but I was like, have a snooze before you actually hit the wall, and physically just need a sleep, but in hindsight, I probably should have just ran to complete exhaustion, and then slept, because I would have fallen asleep, so, I think I lay down for about forty minutes, and I remember it's like one of those ones where you shut your eyes, but you're just restless. Like I didn't fall asleep. I just laid there for forty minutes, like and mentally you're so like you're so focused that picture like just coming around, stopping at the aid station within a minute, getting in the car, taking your shoes, your top off, lying down and trying to force yourself to sleep after you've just ran. 70 80 kilometers like you can't like you can't you're so wired like your brain's wired plus your body's shaking so you have all this adrenaline so I just lay there for 40 minutes and then I was like fuck this get up knock on the window hey let me out of the car because you can't open the boot from the, <laughs> <of> the inside <laughs> so I'd knock on the window fuck, open the door open the door and that was the hardest part is stopping but without sleeping yeah, because then you have to get up. So like someone would help me out of the car, I'd get up, put my shoes on, and because I had experience from the 24 hour, I knew how you feel when you get up, but then I also knew how you felt once you get moving again. So I was like, oh, I feel like shit, but I know once I start ticking over again. So from the moment you get up, it's probably a five, 10 minute process. By the time you put your shoes on, quickly have something to eat or a fucking Red Bull or whatever. And then you're running again so it's hard to to put into context like that transition so then I ran um, up until the morning so from about 2 a.m. I ran to 7 8 a.m. 7 8 a.m. I was like all right now I've been going for what would have been would have been about 18 19 hours by that stage I was like fuck, I probably need to sleep surely I can put myself to bed same thing happened 45 minutes Just laid there, got up, was like fuck. Ran through to the night time, and by this stage, my body started shutting down, and it was because of my lack of sleep. So it wasn't like a conditioning thing. It was just I hadn't had a forty-minute deep sleep, like where I got into REM sleep, and that's like that's what you need. Like you you can't just lay down for forty minutes. You need you need to just you need to be passed out for forty minutes, where you actually get a sense of all right, I've I've had some proper rest. So my coach was trying to call me. Anyway, I don't know how he got in contact with my mum. He's like, "Hey," my mum's like, "Hey, your coach's on the phone." So I remember speaking to the coach. It was about 10 p.m. Saturday night. So at this stage, we're 30 hours in, and he's like, "Hey, feeling?" And I was like, "To be honest, fucked. Not good. Like my legs don't want to move." And so he started. We started going through the, you know, the questions. Hey, what's your nutrition? Your hydration? What's it all been like? And I said, "Perfect. Like everything's been amazing." He goes, have you slept? I said, no. He goes, Are you fucking kidding me? He's like, Are You kidding me? I said, Jace, like it's not that I want have like I've chosen not to sleep. I just haven't been able to put myself to sleep. He's like, all right, he's like, from now, run yourself to exhaustion. Just from the 30 hour mark, just run to the point where you're sleeping and running. So that's what I did. I ran, I think, for another six hours. So 36 hours in, I ran... It was like the middle of the night type thing. And then I remember just... And that's when I started hallucinating. That's when I started seeing the dog. and um, I had a few friends. Um, I, the owner of the cafe I work at came down and he told me a story after. And he's like, dude, he's like, talking to you was like talking to a zombie. He's like, he's like do you remember talking to us? I was like, no, nah, not at all. He's like, some of the things you were saying, he's like, we couldn't even make sense of the conversation because you couldn't even string two words together. Like It was just like mumble jumble. And I was like, really? So it was just at a point where I was like, I remember the last lap before I was like sleeping, I was like, I couldn't even see in front of me. I just remember seeing like shadows. So like I would just follow the shadow because I knew that was someone either side of me. So if I ran and I was in that shadow frame, I was on the right path. I wasn't gonna run into the river or I wasn't gonna run onto the road or, so I got to the end and I literally just stumbled in the car and passed out for like an hour. I think it was an hour and 10 minutes. I just slept. And I just remember knocking out, got up, and I was like, where the fuck am I? I remember just looking around and I was like, fuck, I'm in the car. What the fuck am I doing in the car? Like, not like, you know what I mean? Like, I was just so dazed and yeah, that's true. again, knock on the window, guys. i felt like i was in in jail like give me my food (laughs) i need some water like but that's what it was like so i got up and then from that moment i was like holy shit i actually feel okay like i feel oh i can get through the next 12 hours so yeah from that point where i actually slept properly just did the world of good and it's like it's crazy what happens when you just have that little little amount. it's like you know when you just have, like, a little power nap? Like, 15 minutes, and you're like, holy shit, I, I feel amazing.
0: I can't talk from personal experience, I can't okay. nap, but, like, people at home... Oh, you don't nap at all? No, ever? I
1: can't nap. Oh. Like, I know if I have, like, a quick 15 minutes, it's like you feel rejuvenated, you know? And that's what it's like when you're running. Is like, you just need 15, 20 minutes of great sleep. So, that's what we did, and then was able to power through for the next 12 hours.
0: Crazy, mate absolutely unbelievable like to try and comprehend this is super super challenging Mm. but you're doing an amazing job (laughs) now the one thing really resonated with me coming to the end of (coughs) of the 48 hour run you sort of separated yourself from the group and we spoke about this off air like experiencing these situations with people around you and you mentioned how your girlfriend was sort of your rock there was heaps of people that were like sort of your rock for you but she Mm. was in that situation and I guess I wanna know why you wanted to why you stepped away from the group to finish off the run. What was the thought process behind that?
1: Um it's not it's not me, the harder. I never choose to step away. It's I think the group appreciating that it's 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 not not appreciating, but it it, it comes from a level of understanding They're understanding that it's not their success like if that makes sense without making it sound like it's this is but i think i never tell the group to hey let me run in myself the group just appreciates that this guy has just put in 48 hours of work for me who's ran 10k 50k 100k it's not my event to celebrate that success at the end yeah if that makes any sense so it's never, yeah, it was never, even in the 24 hour, it was never me being like, hey guys, step away, I'm running in. Because if I had it, if it was my choice, like I'd always say, guys, just fucking run in with me. Like it's running together, it's like a group effort, yeah? But I think I appreciate that. Like I appreciate that they understand that the work that has gone into it and they understand that it's not just the run itself, it's everything that leads up to the run. You know, it's the building of the community, it's the running group, it's the conversations, it's the caring about other people that leads to that one finishing moment, you know? And, yeah, it's amazing to think that people, after all of that, have the initiative to be like, this guy deserves the recognition, you know? Yeah. And that's never comes from me because I don't need the recognition, I don't want it, but it's nice to know that people appreciate that.
0: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. No, I really love that. I was going to say that the next question was about the community and and what the feedback from (laughs) from the event like i'm sure you're probably still trying to sift through all the comments and everything from it but you've just summed that up perfectly that you know the the people were there they didn't come for themselves they came Mm. to connect Mm. with others and like watching from the outside Mm. in like I was telling you off air, like I was watching it like a movie. <laughs> <Yeah>. Longest <laughs> fucking movie ever watched <laughs> in my life. That's <laughs> what I said, Forest Gump <laughs> like easier to watch. <laughs> but no, nah, it was just incredible to watch from the outside and mm. like, even the impact that it had, the conversations that mm. it started from people that oh, don't know
1: you. Dude, like... Don't know you personally, like it's incredible. You know what was the most incredible thing is like, I had maybe 10, 15 people that just rocked up off their own bat. I remember this dude... It was like 3 a.m. on Saturday night and I was like running and all I'm focused on is like just trying to stay on the track because I'm fucking in all sorts and this guy came up and tapped me on the back and he's like, "He's like, hey dude, he's like, are you Damien? I was like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah, what's up? <laughs> and I thought like, because you're running like past anglers and stuff. <laughs> Like anglers at like two in the morning is like you get all like the drunks come out and they just walk around the river and you. So I was like, "Fuck, who's this fucking random?" Just like, and then I looked and I was like, "Oh shoot, he's in his running gear," and he's like, "Oh dude, he's like, I literally saw you on Instagram through a friend's post like two hours ago." He's like, "So I put my shoes on." He's like, "And I came here." He's like, "I just wanted to just run with you for a lap," and I was like, "What?" The? I was like. And now that I think about it, I'm like, how is that someone just saw what I was doing around the river, at two o'clock in the morning decided, hey, this guy is fucking busting his ass, but I'm going to put my shoes on and come to the river just to support him, which then opens up a conversation. Hey, dude, what do you do? Where are you from? Do we know any mutual friends? And now we talk, like, you know, so... It's the main message. Is yeah, it's up. like exactly everything. The main reason I fucking did the run was for that exact purpose. So and fulfilling. Yeah, it just makes it all more worth it. I love that man. Mm. I love
0: that. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I can't even put it into words. Like it's, it's so mm. so inspiring, and for someone that's like had the opportunity to connect with you and chat and like. I've only met you once but <laughs> fuck we're chatting like you know we've <laughs> known each other for years and yeah. the ability to dig deeper and ask these questions mm. and have these conversations I think that to get that gratification for you personally to mm. know that what you're doing is impacting mm. people because sometimes you don't see it nah, like you don't see nah. it like you, you can look around you see people there you're like oh yeah like yeah. people are here but to have that person like yeah. come and tap you on the shoulder that's like
1: yeah
0: yeah it's amazing man so no 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 well done like I can't even find an adjective to describe the event but fuck it was crazy and <laughs> like to watch from the outside is just yeah incredible mate
1: yeah and that's I think the like the amazing part was like you know go back to your local community after it like go back to work and whatever and people would just be like don't even know what to say like, I don't, don't know. Even, you know like and that for me was like we did something amazing like we did something amazing because they couldn't put into words what that event meant because so much happened mm. but then it's like hey let's just keep in contact like keep the conversation going like the event is just an avenue to then keep the conversation going like it just it's the fuel that starts the fire but then you got to keep the fire going you got to keep that conversation going which is you know which is the next step now he's like all right how do i keep that going so yeah it was incredible man it was very very humbling and like i said earlier like I'll reflect on it one day, it won't be at the moment, because I'm still in the midst of doing it all, but it'll be definitely, I'll say something, you know, it'll be something I'll mention to my grandkids one day, and be like, hey, pop ran 48 hours, eh? Hey. <laughs> Back in my day. Your pop was a fucking badass. <laughs> uh, <laughs> love so, it. yeah, Sit- man.
0: Sitting on your porch, Grand Torino style. I'll probably still
1: be running. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it depends, you know, depends how crazy we go <laughs> and how much longevity I can. But yeah, we'll see what's fucking next, eh? Very oh, right. interesting.
0: I don't even want to ask what's next because <laughs> it's a working process. <laughs> that was the
1: one question I kept getting was like, surely there's nothing more you can do. And it's like, yeah, I've got a couple of ideas. I want to diversify a little bit, definitely. Yeah. Like, I want to get into it. I had this idea, and this fucking sounds stupid, but I had this idea of like a 72 hour Iron Man a 24-hour swim into a 24-hour ride into a 24-hour run. I don't think that's ever been done before. So I'm I'm fiddling with that idea at the moment. But my biggest concern was, can you be in chlorine for 24 hours? Mm. (laughs) 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 I know I can run for 24 hours. I know I'll be able to ride. Fuck, the swimming will get me though. But... We'll see. <laughs>
0: <laughs> how, how does that even go into like the calorie? Like, come on. <laughs> I don't know. I
1: don't know. I actually don't know why it came up. I think because I was like, oh fuck, I don't. Know. I don't really want to run for seventy-two hours. <laughs> it's a long time to be <laughs> running. <laughs> Plus, I'm like, if I want to think long, you got to think long-term, like the impact it has on your body too. Yeah. Like as much as I feel good now, I'm like, but I'm 28. I'm in my prime. Like, uh, you got to think when you're 50 how are your joints your tendons your ligaments yeah. how are you mentally you burnt out so that's why I'm like hmm I wouldn't mind doing something a little bit different plus like the Iron Man is like that's that's proper fitness like that's like you know level, it's like yeah. the pinnacle of fitness
0: mm.
1: anyway I'll let you know
0: <laughs> oh, I'm <fucking> all ears <laughs> <is>, man I <laughs> love these we'll, um, Absolutely. we'll break them down <laughs> Damo we've been chatting for the best part of
1: three hours. No, we have not Oh, including our... Nah,
0: not on the podcast, but oh, in including our, you know, our um, conversation beforehand. Um, so I reckon we'll wrap this one up, but Jesus, man, like, that was that was really powerful. I can't thank you enough for, you know, being so vulnerable, shedding light onto the message behind the run, and explaining to people that it, it wasn't just about running, it wasn't yeah. the event, like, yeah. what built up to that event, and... What's after that event, and what's next mm. to come, and who you are as a person is is mm. so much more important. So thank you so much, man.
1: No worries, man. You know it's always my pleasure. I'm sure we'll keep this conversation going, but thank you.
0: Maybe on a separate.